right, welcome in. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the college basketball edition. I am AJ Hoffman. He is Griffin Warner, fresh off a trip to Vegas. How about that? How you doing, Griff? Oh, man. Check in with me in a few hours. But for now, doing well. Uh, it's really easy to go on a Vegas trip and come into a late night, Sunday night, until the wee hours of Monday morning podcast when we have a 2-0 to celebrate. It is another 2-0 to celebrate. I like that. Um, really an easy 2-0 if you think about it. So uh, that's a back-to-back 2-0s. Let's go for another another Let's one. Let's do it. Hey, I don't think we've had a run of three straight 2-0s on this pod yet this Nothing, season. No so. better time than the present, AJ. I, I'm with you on that. So the, the format will be the same. We're going to go through the four biggest games coming up on the Monday through Thursday slate. Uh, talk about those, and then we're going to give best bets. We'll give you a promo code, help save you some cash at pregame.com. Throw that in there as well. And, uh, you know, I guess let's uh, let's jump right into it. And let's start in the Big 12, where we got a matchup of two teams. It's funny, it had you said two weeks ago, how's Baylor looking, how's Kansas looking? You would have been, oh, Baylor's in rough shape right now. Kansas looking great. Boy, it doesn't take long for things to be flipped around. Baylor has now won four straight. Kansas has now lost two straight. And the most recent in embarrassing fashion to TCU at the fog. Uh, uh, We are going to look at Baylor as two, two and a half point favorites at home against Kansas. Uh, I know you projected Kansas to be a favorite. So I'm I'm guessing you've got some interest in uh, Jayhawk here. Actually, I do not. Um, I just was surprised to see kind of how the market has been shaping this year, seeing KU laying nearly double digits of what felt like all of the Big 12 at home. Yes, they were escaping and kind of surviving late, but um, I did not see this TC result coming. I thought TC was going to be so reliant on transition points that they were going to leave themselves really exposed to Kansas going the other way and trying to get in transition. But I mean, that game was not on my radar, really. I was watching it in the sports book on one of the million of TVs that were included, but it was not really close for a while. I kept expecting KU to make a run. They got it to, I think, 10 at halftime. But um, what an impressive performance by TCU. Certainly something that I'm starting to take notice of them maybe being stronger than anybody expected and seeing a Jamie Dixon team with an offense is weird. But KU's the, the reason we're talking about this game. And um off of two losses, you don't really get a chance to back them very often. With that said, I just feel like this Kansas team is not uh, – I mean, they won the national championship last year with not a very good team, in my humble opinion. But this one is good, but I don't think they're as as talented as they has, have been in the, pot, in, in the past. They're going to really rely on three-point shooting, which I think is going to be a really tough matchup on the road against Baylor when that's pretty much all the Baylor Bears do. Yeah, I was impressed with Baylor, uh, the fight they showed this last weekend against Oklahoma uh, game. And I actually had bet on Baylor in that game. So uh, to see them fight back when they were down, I was impressed. And it's really hard to look at that Kansas game against TCU and take away any positives. Like it was it was bad. And coming off a loss to Kansas State. Like if you had said, when am I, when are we going to see a, a great effort from Kansas? It felt like it would have been that game. So maybe there's some cause for real concern here. Uh, Baylor shot the ball well against Oklahoma. And if if Baylor's going to start hitting threes, if Flagler's going to start, you know, finally get kind of draining some, uh, this Baylor team feels like a team that I want to buy into, uh, you know, 
maybe not quite buy into them at the level that I thought they were going to be preseason, but I, I think maybe they got adjusted down a little too far and there, there may be some cheap numbers on the bears. I think, I mean, I'm very interested in Baylor. I think what they've done in the last few seasons, even losing Jerome Tang to head coach at, at Kansas state off the Scott true staff. I feel like Baylor's a team I'm looking at to, to really kind of avenge what was a, a pretty slow uh, three-game losing streak with Iowa State, TCU, and Kansas State, who all look a lot better than we thought. Um, and also, I think we've seen with the Baylor rotation is when they lose someone uh, like a Flagler or a Cryer or one of their more important guards, it's really hard for them to respond. But they seem pretty healthy now. Uh, and I really like the two and a half, actually. I, I don't like giving KU points, but I just don't feel like it's the dominant KU despite their start to the season. All right, let's move to Tuesday, but stay in the Big 12. And we just talked about uh, Kansas State, who has a win over Kansas, and Iowa State, who has a win over Baylor. They are playing each other at uh, Hilton, and Iowa State we're going to project as a four-point favorite. Uh, Iowa State comes off a loss against Oklahoma State. Not a That's not a great loss, Um but they, before that, they dog stomped Texas. It, this is sort of a Jekyll and Hyde team right now. Iowa State, not the, the Oklahoma State game is surprising, maybe a little bit of a, a red flag. Uh, and Kansas State feels like maybe they've found something. Four and a half feel like too many to you. Um, I don't know. I don't know that it feels like too many. I feel like the Iowa State home court advantage is worth a significant amount more than the two and a half, three, whatever people are using for kind of the standard, <clears throat> probably three in the sport. But um, Iowa State, to me, just feel like one of those teams that are going to get away with a fouling a ton more at home than they are on the road. I don't know that that necessarily took away and really cost them a game because they were leading for a while in that Oklahoma State game. Um, didn't defend the three very well. Only took nine three-point shots themselves. So I think Iowa State, is. I think everyone would expect, they're, they're limiting or they're limited by their offense. And um, while I do think that matters in this type of matchup, because K-State is essentially the opposite and they're an offensive team that um, I don't really know that I believe in defensively. They're really small uh, on the perimeter, really small on the interior. I feel like there's a lot of flaws with K-State, but they kind of cover up for that with really good offensive shooting performances. We saw that, as you mentioned, against Texas. That was probably the, the highest like the, in the Ken Palm era of Texas's offensive efficiency allowed. But um, I feel like K-State on the road is a team that's going to live or, and die by jump shots. And that's a really scary thing to do, especially if they're getting beaten up and bruised by the Iowa State Cyclone, just team in general and kind of how they play under Otzelberger. What do you think? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. But I, I think maybe Kansas State, I, I, when I was digging into Ken Palm on this game, Kansas State 33rd in offensive efficiency. Not really a surprise. 33rd in defensive efficiency. Maybe an underrated defensive team. And maybe we don't give them the credit for being a good defensive team or at least an efficiently defensive team uh, or a defensive efficient team because they're small. And like when you watch them, you're like, well, how can these guys be good at, at defense? But I mean, the metrics say they're not bad. Uh, they turn the ball. They turn you over a lot. If you're sloppy with the ball, they will turn you over, which kind of makes up for some of the mistakes they make handling the ball on offense. Of course, Iowa State, it, they constantly turn you over. They're the best at turning you over in the country, which is a, a little uh, scary for you if you're if you're trying to bat Kansas State here. Um, I don't like to bet against Iowa at Hilton. 
or Iowa State at Hilton. So it, it's it's Iowa State or nothing for me. But I do think this Kansas State team is more than just a flash in the pan at this point. I think we we probably have to start looking at them as like a you know a, t- a top five team in this conference until they're proven not to be because that's that's what they've shown so far. Yeah, I mean six and one start, went at home against KU, whether it went to overtime or not. Um, really scary to, to to play against on the road in the octagon of doom. And ultimately, I think um, a little bit scary to go against with Iowa State. But I think if Iowa State, that if that number trickled down towards the, the full possession, like a minus three, I think I'd be interested in Iowa State. All right, let's go to the Big East. And I'm going to ask you what you think of this line. Um, because I, Ken Palm is surprised me with this with this number this game is on wednesday ken palm says connecticut by nine against xavier i find that hard to believe (laughs) uh i I went with i i'm gonna go ahead and project uconn as as a five point favorite i mean unless you see something different but let i mean this uconn team like it's nice they beat butler but before that boy they'd really been struggling and you know xavier is in the discussion for best team in the big east they had a bad loss last week against depaul but again it's a the big east is a a really good conference you know nobody was going to go undefeated in that conference uh do we look at the huskies as a team because it feels like you know three four weeks ago Connecticut was one of the best teams in the country. Now it feels like, I don't know, they're a top five team in the Big East. What do you make of UConn? What do you make of the struggles recently? And what kind of number are you expecting to see, A, and and do you feel like there's just not enough be, not enough respect being given to Xavier here? So I think longtime listeners know our uh, way to do things, and, and AJ will throw the, the top games that he think we should talk about. I'll throw the lines back to him. I made UConn a three-point favorite. Maybe that was wishful thinking, hoping that I could get to back UConn because I honestly have felt that Xavier is not very strong despite that great start to the the regular season in the in the Big East. And honestly, I've been backing them a little bit, but it felt like I've been rather fortunate to escape with a, a push on them or a win, depending on the number you got um, in a home game against Creighton. And then the Marquette game seemed that like it could have gone either way. Um, I'm trying to figure out really how to price UConn. I think that's where most of this confusion comes in. Like Torvik has a 10 and a half. So like there's definitely a lot of the analyst community that, that might maybe see some flaws in Xavier, I think mainly defensively, but also oh, yeah. that Connecticut maybe just had a really tough stretch. I mean, I don't know that there are a lot of excuses for UConn to do what they did. And they lost to some really unfortunate teams. Like I, I don't think St. John's or, or Seton Hall are, are teams at UConn and a team that we thought could potentially win a title at 14 and 0 that they should be losing to. Um, it doesn't help that their schedule had road games back-to-back with Xavier and Providence. Also um, sandwiched around that home game with Creighton was an away trip to Marquette. Maybe that three and four in those records as road favorites, I think, in all in all three of those losses. Um, I, I think maybe this, this UConn team just kind of ran into some schedule luck, got a little bit down on themselves after their first loss of the season and didn't recover very well. Because they're ultimately a, a team rebuilt by the transfer portal, and there's a lot of young players or new players to the program. Um, I think that Xavier, a team I'm looking to sell as we move towards the second half of the season or second half of conference play, and I think UConn are a team I want to buy. Um, at the five number, I probably lean towards Connecticut, but that's not really. I, I don't usually go out that far with favorites down the line. Um, 
But as this one climbs towards nine, I feel like it puts me in a really tough position where then I'm like, man, maybe there is some value on Xavier. Yeah, and I uh I had a good week, I had a good Saturday uh betting hoops. And one of the one of the wins that I had, actually I had two wins on the uh Georgetown and Xavier game. I had Georgetown plus 18 and I had the over uh, just because I was like, you know, Xavier's proven to be a kind of a, a one-sided team. They play one end of the floor and that's about it. And Georgetown ended up being without two of their top three scorers in that game. And still covered easily shot way over Xavier's very, very bad defensively. They like, they, it's almost like they're not trying on defense, which concerns me in a way, but also their offense is so smooth and, and so quick. Like they're, I would not be surprised if they put up a hundred uh, on Georgetown in the first game. I won't be surprised if they put up another hundo at some point this year. Like it, it's that kind of good offense. I, I I'm with you. If at three, I would have loved UConn. Right. Uh, if at five, I I think I'm probably a pass. But if it's if it's outside of like two full possessions, I'm probably going to have to look at X because their offense is never going to let them be out of a game. Like they they will shoot all over this UConn team, and I, you know UConn's size down low isn't really gonna it, it doesn't it's not gonna bother Xavier who's just gonna shoot over the top of it. So, uh, and really defensively, where X has their their biggest issue is against the three pointers. So maybe it, it, they can hang in there. I, I'm I'll be interested to see really where this number comes out. But if it's anything north of of two possessions, and really if it's north of the five that we're projecting here, I'm I'm probably going to either lean or, or end up playing uh, X in this one. Yeah, I think um, you you alluded to the three point percentage issues. I mean Xavier at 292nd that from what I'm looking at, making allowing their opponents to make 36 percent of threes that will get you beat very quickly in any sort of tournament play. Makes you very dangerous on the road, um, and I think especially what we've seen with UConn is they can murder teams if they're making threes. Um, at home, it's where they should make more. And I don't know that Xavier can shoot their way through this. So might be one of those big numbers that I just have to like look away from and wait till the game starts and then check it again and be like, okay, well, I'm glad I didn't play. All right, let's take a look uh, out west and go to the Mountain West for a couple teams that we haven't talked about much, but have quietly been pretty good. And uh, like I said, Saturday, I had some some pretty good success and that meant staying away from some leans that ended up not working out and one of my leans was going to be on air force against san diego state uh and san diego state took care of business against air force uh out in colorado which is a, a, i think a solid win now they get utah state at home we're going to project the aztecs as about a five point favorite over utah state um you know, San Diego State has been kind of flying under the radar. Uh, the their losses are Arizona, Arkansas, St. Mary's, New Mexico. They don't have a bad loss, and no one's really talking about them. I, what what am I missing here with with this the San Diego State team? Because it feels like they've been a, a bit of a darling the last couple of years. And now it seems like no one's really no one's really saying their names. What's different about the team this year in your mind? Uh, I think it's the, they certainly, as you mentioned, don't have bad losses. But when you look around for good wins, I think maybe that's a concern for me. I don't know if the scheduling just didn't seem to work out very well. 
They, went they beat Ohio Maui. State early in the season, which maybe yeah. So they were. I mean, they were in Maui, so that was that was a big thing for any program, big for San Diego State to even get there, considering where they were before Steve Fisher took over, and now, of course, with uh, Brian Dutcher in charge. I just like. I feel like when you don't go and beat teams and you don't have resume, like big resume wins, it's really hard to start talking about teams, especially in a Mountain West that I don't think it has much luster, despite the incredible New Mexico record. Boise State seems pretty good. Uh, there might be some value in the Mountain West as we get towards tournament play, but pretty much San Diego State have lost the good teams they're playing. I, I remember I took a, a re- what felt like a terrible beat at the time uh, against Arkansas a game. They should have won in Maui when Arkansas was full strength. Yep. Um, no, certainly no demerits for a neutral loss to St. Mary's look like one of the best teams, uh, a little puzzled by the, the loss at home in New Mexico, but I mean, New Mexico sitting 17 and two. Um, I, it's really hard for me to, to really point out a lot of problems with San Diego state. I think what we've seen with this program is they're usually really good defensively. Um, then they leave a lot to be desired on offense. I don't see that to any different here, but I do feel like they're catching Utah state team that has really not proven it can, de- it can defend under Ryan Odom, the former UMBC coach that knocked out Virginia. Uh, he's got a lot of offensive players. They can shoot really well. Um, but the problem is you go into the Vieja center and it's going to be nuts. Um, they got Padres baseball and uh, San Diego state Aztec basketball in that town. So I feel like it's a huge draw and uh, I'm interested to see how competitive Utah state is in this one. Uh, I just, I've, I've watched them a few times this year. I've been so unimpressed with their defense that I feel like um, going on the road, defense does travel offense. It rarely does. So they're going to have to shoot really well against a really good defense. I feel like it's going to be hard for Utah state to hang around. Yeah. Utah state. I was surprised. They are not just a really good shooting team. They're the best three point shooting team in the country. Um, 41 and a half percent from three. So they are certainly elite. They are not good defensively. They are 313th defending the three. Uh, they are 326th in forcing turnovers. They, they, there's just not a lot to like, uh, uh, you know, on that side of the, the court. But San Diego State's not going to blow you away on offense. You're right, though. And despite the loss to New Mexico, Villas is certainly not a place where I'm looking to be like, yeah, no, especially when we're talking a fairly short spread, five, five and a half. Uh, I'm not looking to get in front of San Diego State, who I still think is – if not, you know, maybe New Mexico and Boise have passed them as far as the class of the conference this year. But Utah State's start isn't enough for me to put them in that conversation, uh, even though the record sitting at 16 and four uh, w- would kind of point that way, five and two in conference. It's been nice. And the two losses, but the two losses have been away from home at, at Boise uh in a game that they just weren't even competitive uh they lost that game by 23 24 points uh and then losing at nevada pretty comfortably as well so you lose at those spots you're probably going to lose in san diego is the way i look at it so it's a it's home team or pass for me on this one yeah i i wouldn't uh I wouldn't take the the crown away from uh, San Diego State just yet in the Mountain West. I think if you come with the King, you best not miss. And I I don't know that San Diego State are are anywhere near or is anywhere near ready to to relinquish that kind of. We are the favorite. We're the best team here. We have a good crowd, and I think that'll help them a lot and potentially even give us some value if if they finish somehow in a lower position than that number one seed going into the Mountain West tournament. So I'll I'll take it from here, um, and, and I'll go through our. our 
our promo codes for this week on this uh, college basketball podcast, please use the promo IV20, IV like the Ivy League. Uh, you get 20% off for all listeners of this college basketball podcast. That's McKenzie's league. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe it's a shout. Maybe McKenzie is, fil- is uh, infiltrating the, the promo code ideas. I mean, I like it. We were ACC <laughs> last time. I don't know if we have any uh, established uh, Southeastern employees at a uh, pregame, but um, ultimately we, get, we do have Yale grad uh, and Yale Bulldog, just Yale enthusiasts all around McKenzie Rivers. So in his honor, use the promo code IV20, get 20% off. My picks, AJ's picks, UFC stuff coming out. Um, plenty of soccer stuff as well. If you like uh, not sleeping, which is I think my new new thing to do this world. Um, of course, Steve Fezzik, and as we're rolling into the Super Bowl and some some big football games coming up, I'm sure there's a lot uh, on there as well. You get 20% off everything you want to buy at pregame IV20, and we get a little credit for it. So uh, coming in, and, and AJ, I feel like as a, a second straight two and zero, we shouldn't switch it. So I want you to to lead us off, uh, and then we'll get into my best bet after that. All right, I'm going to go with a Thursday game, and I'm going to go out to the island, uh, and I'm going to be taking the road team. UC Santa Barbara, the Gauchos, going to be catching about a point and a half, I'm projecting, at Hawaii. And I think this UCSB team is the class of the Big West. I, this they, They've kind of been knocking on the door for, for a couple of years now, and I think they're not only like, good for the big west i think they're starting to be like good mid-major good like you know they're they're up to 90th in ken palm uh they have elite size they get what they want at the basket and i think they match up really well here uh hawaii gives up the highest percentage of two-point shots in the country the highest percentage of points come from twos against hawaii and that is literally where the Gauchos live. The Gauchos don't care about shooting threes. Uh, Hawaii's 300, they give up 362nd most points off threes. Basically, they're at the, the you can't shoot threes on them. UCSB's fine with that. They're not looking to shoot threes. They're looking to get inside with their bigs and, and make things happen there. Uh, they're going to live on the offensive glass. And I believe they're going to turn Hawaii over. So, between the offensive rebounds, between the turnovers, between, I think, getting some easy buckets, it feels like those extra possessions and easy looks. Uh, I, I like Santa Barbara and what's going to be lined, a pretty even game. They went down, if you remember the 2020 year, the COVID year, when the Big West played, they, like their schedule was back-to-back games. Like if you went to Hawaii, you played both your road You played both your games that season at Hawaii. There was no home-and-home. Home. It was, you're there, we're playing two games back-to-back. And Santa Barbara won both the games there in 2020. They lost by a, a point or two points last year. They were right there in it with them. Uh, I don't think this trip is overwhelming for them. So I, I like uh, the Gauchos here. It's probably a short dog. Uh, I'd play it to a pick and, and maybe even a minus one against Hawaii. I mean, going off the uh, off the mainland even, um, I mean, UCSB has been one of the best teams in the West Coast that you don't hear a lot about. I don't know necessarily that being a all-offensive, like all-inside offense is going to be great when he faces the big teams. This is, we'd want to look for them as potentially an upset in March uh, if they do make it into the bracket. But um, Hawaii is a weird team that feels like it gets numbers that I just sometimes I'm like – I'm always scratching my head with Hawaii numbers, maybe because they're late at night and people know that there's going to be a lot of action on that sort of stuff. But um, I'm going to go stay in the mainland. I'm going to go 
with the Illinois uh, Fighting Illini. I think we're projecting through AJ Swami uh, line projection service and Illinois minus one here hosting Ohio State. Um, and I just got to say, there's two teams that are both going in bad directions here. Uh, but Ohio State has not looked good to me fighting road crowds. Um, they've been very competitive, haven't got, gotten across the line. And I feel like Illinois is one of those teams that can have a really, really high ceiling in home games because they shoot the three. They shoot it well, they shoot it often, and I feel like that's something that, of course, Ohio State will try to deny, but actually they give up a lot of three-point attempts to their opponents, um, and I feel like they're fortunate for being such a good three-point defense at this point. Illinois has got plenty of problems, but so does Ohio State. It's almost like uh, it's not necessarily going to be a, a a prom queen versus a, a prom queen here, but I feel like Illinois is in a better place to get out ahead, get out and running, and uh, it might be another tough trip for Chris Holtman, who just seems like every time he hits conference play, he can't really win. Yeah, and Illinois looked like they had kind of turned the corner and figured some things out before the, the Indiana game uh, last week, but I think that that game may have said more about Indiana than Illinois. You know, I think Illinois getting getting their guys healthy and back now, like Indiana might be a different team. Like they they may be actually really good. They handled Michigan State. Like I'm thinking that loss may not be the worst thing in the world. Uh, I mean, obviously losing by 15 at home is is never good, but I don't think it's as bad of a loss as it, it had they lost to Indiana a month ago. So. Uh, I I still see some good things about this Illinois team. I'm not going to let that one bump in the road ruin the the nice little stretch that they had here. So I'm with you. I have not found anything I really like about this Ohio State team. Uh, and the the win at Iowa, it, or excuse me, I guess it was home against Iowa, was it, it's nice. You broke a five game losing streak, but I don't know that you're necessarily just fixed all of a sudden, and I'm now at the point where my in in the Big Ten, especially, I'm instantly looking for a reason to back the home team. So uh, I would be with you on this one as well. So a lot of a lot of similar teams that just whatever color is on the floor that they're running across, maybe that's one you look to. Yeah, that's the move. All right, that will do it, friends, for this week's episode. We will be back Thursday night, previewing the Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. Uh, it, it, assuming Griffin sobers up by then, we'll see. We'll see how this uh, <laughs> maybe I don't know how there's this week lot. works out for him. There's a lot in this bloodstream right now. Never mind. <laughs> but uh, Griff, appreciate you uh, making the time, even after a Vegas trip, to do the pod for the people. I know they appreciate it as well. And uh, hopefully, we're back on Thursday night with another two and O. Let's go for three in a row, baby. Three in a row is what we're aiming for. For Griffin Warner, I'm AJ Hoffman. We will talk to you guys on Thursday. Best of luck.